Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Shemot, addressing your distress. The book of Bereshit ended on a note of triumph for the family of Yaakov. His children are reunited, and though they are living in Egypt, theirs is a position of relative privilege, and Yosef remains in power. When Yaakov dies, Yosef makes good on his promise and buries his father's body in the land of Canaan. However, when we enter the book of Shemot, the fortunes of the people of Israel are sharply reversed. With the passing of Yosef and his generation, their progeny are now enslaved and oppressed. Yet, almost immediately, the Torah tells us that God is aware of the suffering of his chosen people and dispatches Moshe to save them. At the burning bush, God promises Moshe that not only will he save B'nai Israel from their suffering, he will also restore them to their ancestral homeland. Vayomer Anochi Elohei Avicha, Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov. Vayaster Moshe Panav, ki arei mehabit al Elohim. Vayomer Adonai, ra'or ra'iti at oni ami, asher b'mitzvayim. V'yatzakatam shamati mipnei noksav, ki adati at machovav. Vayireid lahatzilo miyad mitzvayim, ulahalato min ha'aretz hahi. El eretz tova urchava. God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, and the God of Yaakov. Moshe hid his face, for he was afraid to gaze at God. God said, I have indeed seen the suffering of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their crying out on account of their oppressors, for I have known their pain. And I will descend to save them from the hand of Egypt, and to bring them up from that land, to a good and wide land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the land of the Canaanite, the Chittite, the Amorite, the Prezite, the Chivite, and the Jebusite. Rabbi Kalanimus Kalman Epstein, the author of the Morva Shemesh, asks two important questions about this promise that God makes. And his answer illuminates one of the most central principles of both what it means to serve God and what true service of God requires. He will suggest that what God is promising here is more than just physical redemption. God is also providing his people the psychological resources that they need to serve him with joy. The Morvashemish's first question is slightly technical. God speaks in the past tense here, saying that he has heard the screaming of his beloved people and that he has known their pain. These verbs seem incongruous with the fact that the people are currently crying and that their suffering endures. Why does the verse speak of God's hearing in the past tense about something that is still going on in the present? God should have said, I am listening, and I do know. His second question concerns the nature of God's promise to the people. Currently, the children of Israel are at the nadir of their sojourn in Egypt. They are being physically and psychologically tortured. What they want and what they need is to escape from slavery. Yet God promises them so much more than they can even imagine. Not only will they be free from the control of the Egyptians, but they will be out of Egypt entirely. They will be a sovereign nation in a land flowing with milk and honey. The Morva Shemesh asks why it is that God needs to promise them so much, and so much more than they are ready for. God could have, and perhaps even should have, addressed himself to their immediate concern, their suffering, and their safety. Then, afterwards, God could have promised them wealth, power, and happiness.
The more of a Shemesh understands that God redeems his people not only to emancipate them from their slavery, but also to introduce them to a life of serving him, to move them away from the fruitless, back-breaking labor towards meaningful and spiritually rewarding service of the divine. He therefore answers these questions through the lens of what the ideal service of God looks like. Omnam, ikar avodat Hashem, hein batorah hein batfila, tzarich shetihiyah mitoch simcha, kemamar hakatuv tachat asher lo avadata et Adonai lohecha besimcha uvetuv levav meirov kol. Vezehu ikar nachat ruach lefanav yitbarach, kshe Yisrael mashmiin kolam betorah o batfila mitoch simcha vechadva. Indeed, the core of serving God, whether through Torah or prayer, must be out of joy. As the verse says, due to that you did not serve Hashem your God with joy and good-heartedness and an abundance of everything. And this is the core of God's pleasure. When Israel make their voices heard in Torah and prayer out of joy and happiness. V'zehu be'or ha'katuv v'yomar Adonai ra'o ra'iti et oni ami. Klomar, sheroani et onyam, shemachamato i'efshar lahem la'avod avodatam lishmo yitbarach mitoch simcha. And this is the explanation of the verse. God said, I have indeed seen the suffering of my people. That is to say, I see their suffering on account of which it is impossible for them to serve his blessed name out of joy. And instead, they serve me out of sadness because of the strain of the enslavement. And there is no pleasure before me in this. Veulam az tsakatam shamati mpenoksav shame az kodem shana gafta otam shamati atsakotam shahaya kolam arev alai be tsakatam kaharimam kolam bahalel vezimra mitoch simcha vegamar omer ki adati et machovav sheif shalahem shetiya avodatam besimcha mitsarat ashiabut vechein tomar lahem sheale otam al arts tobarohava However, I have heard their crying out before their oppressors. For before you struck them, I heard their crying out, and their voice was pleasant to me at the time of their crying out, when they raised their voice in joyful praise and song. And the end of the verse states, For I have known their pain. That is, that it is impossible for their service to be joyous because of the strain of slavery. So you, Moshe, should say to them that I will bring them up to that land, to a good and wide land, that they will have leisure, and they will rejoice and be glad, and they will serve me out of joy, which will be my pleasure. According to the Morva Shemesh, though the Jewish people were enslaved and oppressed, they continued to serve God and perform whatever ancestral traditions they had received from their parents. However, the quality of their service was lacking, and that they were unable to serve God with joy. God speaks of the crying out of the Jewish people in the past tense, because he is nostalgic for the days before the slavery, when the Jews had the leisure and therefore the ability to pray and study and make a joyful noise. God's promise to Moshe about the Jewish people is not only about their physical state, but about their spiritual state by extension. God needs to promise the people that they will enter into the psychological space of security and leisure that the land of Israel represents. 
Only then will they be able to serve God with the joy that God himself enjoys and takes pride in, which is the proper way to serve him. The more of a Shemesh's insight here is a departure from earlier and contemporary traditions, which argue that serving God with joy depends on one's perspective on the mitzvot. The Magid Mishnah, the 14th century commentary on the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, is representative of the view that the joy or gladness in performing mitzvot and serving God depends only on internal and intrinsic factors. Amru, v'shavachti aniyatasimcha, zo simcha shal mitzvah. V'yikar hadavar hu, she'en ro'elot la'adam la'asot ha-mitzvah mitzad jehen chova alav, v'hu mukhrach v'anus b'asiyatam, ala chayav la'asotan v'hu sameach b'asiyatam, v'yaseh ha-tov mitzad jehu tov. Vihavin <laughs> They said, and I praise joy, this is the joy of mitzvot. The crux of the matter is that it is not fitting for a person to do mitzvot because it is a company upon him, and he is compelled and forced to do them. Rather, he should perform them because he is required to do them, and doing them makes him happy and he should do the good because it is good, and choose the truth because it is truth, and then their burden will be light in his eyes. And he will understand that this is why he was created, to serve his creator. And when he does that for which he was created, he will be happy and rejoice. For the happiness of other things is dependent on empty things that don't last, but the joy in doing mitzvot and learning Torah and wisdom, this is true happiness. And this is what Shlomo said in his Book of Wisdom when he praised the joy of wisdom. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart rejoices as well. The Magamishna understands that the happiness you experience in the performing of mitzvot depends on your evaluation of them. If you think they are valuable, then you will find them meaningful and it will make you happy. In essence, your happiness is dependent entirely on your perspective. This understanding is also echoed in the thought of Rabbi Nachman of Bratslav, a later contemporary of the Morva Shemesh, who suffered from melancholia throughout his life. Many of his teachings are about the way that sadness can interfere with divine service, and what must be done to bring ourselves into the state of joy that inspires closeness to God. And the principle is that a person needs to overcome with all of his power and be happy constantly. For the nature of a person is to draw oneself to a dark humor and unhappiness because of various wounds and life events. And every person is full of suffering. Therefore, he needs to force himself with great strength to always be happy and to gladden himself in whatever way he can, 
even with silly things. Though Rabbi Nachman understands that forces outside of one's control can contribute to a person's unhappiness, he still fundamentally asserts that being happy is a choice that one must make. A person must take the reins of their own mood into their own hands and force themselves into constant joy. The Morva Shemesh's perspective takes into account that it is not always possible for a person to decide to be happy, to force oneself into a mood of joyous satisfaction. When the people of Israel were suffering the indignities of slavery, the backbreaking labor, and the lack of self-determination, they were not happy. And God did not expect them to be happy or to become happy through the sheer force of their own will. God understands that their ability to serve him with joy depends on their external circumstances, and that improving the conditions of their lives was something that the people were unable to do on their own. God would need to send Moshe to redeem them. The Morva Shemesh takes the blame off of the people and places it on God. If God wants us to be happy, then he needs to improve our lives. The Morva Shemesh understands that the boundary between one's physical, psychological, and spiritual lives is porous, and one can't be expected to simply transcend everything that pulls them down. God sees that we need to be happy in order to serve him. So he takes it upon himself to understand why we are not happy and to do something about the material conditions of that unhappiness. The Morva Shemesh's forgiving attitude should inspire us in two ways. The first is that he allows us to be broken, to be affected by our sorrow. He doesn't insist that we snap out of it and do what it takes to convince ourselves that we have everything we need in order to serve God with joy. Instead, he says that there will be times that we will be forced to serve God without joy. Our mood will not always be perfect, and we will not always be pleasant. And God understands. God has no expectation that we will be invulnerable or immune to what life brings us and the difficult times that we have to get through. And his teaching also inspires us to attack the root of the problem instead of the symptoms. If you have a friend who is depressed because she doesn't have a job, don't tell her that she should be happy with what she has, that everyone goes through rough times. Instead, help her land an interview. Work with her on her resume. If you know someone who feels lonely because he doesn't have a life partner, try to find him someone to love. Make time in your schedule for him and make room for him at your table. Acknowledge that your friend is lonely because he is alone. It is easy to tell people that we are thinking of them and that we wish them the best. But the Morva Shemesh teaches that to follow God's example here requires more. We shouldn't content ourselves with encouraging others to feel better. We should apply ourselves to making their lives better, as a consequence of which true happiness will come. Wishing you a Shabbat of true happiness. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.